you are still desiring to touch and to renew. God, we say that it is well with our soul. We thank you that what you have begun in us, you are the one who will bring it to completion. Even so that when we stand on that day before you, we shall see you face to face and know that you have done everything by which we can stand before you through the wondrous work of the cross. We bless you this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Perhaps before I start this morning, I ought to at least allude to um, a paragraph on the back of your bulletin. Most of you have probably already gotten this, so it's not new news. Um, I actually had this sent out to all of the session members, that is our elders who are off session because our on session elders knew about it. (laughs) And we also included our deacons. And then a few days later, we sent it out to all of you that we have your email address for. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's in print on the back of your bulletin. And um, the purpose of this is simply to uh, signal, no, that's not the right word, to say what we've already been saying, and that is that we have begun a process uh, to look for Um, a succession plan because at some point in time, yet undetermined, your pastor, Steve and Jim, will probably retire. Uh, I will turn 65 this summer. Amen, brother. Jim's already started, by the way, (laughs) a little bit. Uh, But I'm not going to read this. I simply want to say read it, and if you have any questions, I am not ready to retire. It is my hope and your pastor, Pastor Jim's hope, that we'll be around here for yet a number of years. Uh, But we have, uh, in fact, I know, help us Jesus, uh, we have actually uh, contacted and have contracted with a group called Vanderblumen Search Group. And they are a multi-denominational, national-wide ministry that helps churches search for and develop uh, plans. In fact, uh, William Vanderblumen wrote the book on pastoral succession plans. And it's literally called, I think I may have put the name of it in here. I don't know, I can't find it right now. But it's called Next, I think it is. Pastoral Succession Planning. So what we've done is we've just begun the process of planning for what will be at some point in the future the eventuality that Uh, Jim and I will probably uh, retire at some point in time. So if you have questions about it, there is no plan developed. We're starting that process formally with them. And uh, as we have clarity about uh, some recommendations that they may make, uh, it is always uh, the responsibility of the congregation to elect its next pastor or pastoral leadership. So... Uh, You can talk with any of our session members, though they're not going to be able to tell you too much more than what I've just told you, and that is we're working with this Vanderblumen search group uh, to begin that succession planning. We suspect that it may take, you know, a period of time to really feel the sense that God is really moving us and leading us. So we'll bring you more information as we have it. Um, Well, uh, take your... Bible, if you would, and turn to John chapter 13. I'd like to share just a little bit. It's uh, the second, <coughs> excuse me, increment in 
a series that we began on community life. And uh, what we said, if you were here last week, that when people live in community, moved by the power of the Gospel and then marked and sealed by the Spirit of God, great things begin to happen. Uh, We are a people who, in fact, have been created to be in community. Uh, We're made uh, to be in relationship with other people. Um, We are, in fact, hardwired by God uh, to love Him and, secondly, love one another. I mean, that is the essence of the the great commandment to love God with all of one's heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. We have been... God would never have called us to do something that we we are unprepared to accomplish. Loving um, other people. Uh, So it is this capacity to uh, be in relationship and love that I want to talk about this morning. I want to get at it really with three different ways. First of all, to talk about this community that we're called to be involved with, to love and to be in relationship. And then secondly, there are some barriers that can impede our um, uh, feeling secure, maybe is the best way to put it, in the midst of, of... Uh, growing intimate relationships. I want to look at some of those barriers. Um, And then thirdly, talk about uh, these communities that heal and uh, we'll have a testimony toward the the conclusion. But um, if you would, turn to John chapter uh, 13 and let me just read uh, verses 34 and 35 with you. I'm reading from the New King James Version and it's a, a text that's familiar to all of us. Uh, John 13.35 says this, uh, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Uh, As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, that is by the quality of our love that we have for each other, um, all will recognize or know that you are my disciples, if you have love uh, one for another. Now, just to say what I've already said, I do not believe God would give us a new commandment and expect us to love one another if it was an impossibility. So that if it is a struggle for any of us to really accomplish that new commandment that may indicate what we'll look at in just a moment, and that is some of, those, some of those barriers that God will want to heal in our life. Uh, so this new commandment that He gives to us, I just want to underscore what appears to be very self-evident from verses 34 and 35, and that is uh, the new commandment that He gives to us is, is clear. Love the people around you. And as soon as Jesus makes that new commandment, it should be recognized that that is difficult only to the extent to which I hold on to my rights. When I want life to work out my way, I resist the Spirit of God in me wanting to lay my life down for other people. So the command is clear to love one another 
But notice number two, there is a, a breaking out of this text to how it really happens. There is some sort of application here, and that is, number two is, I have loved you, uh, so also love one another. So if the target becomes the command is to love one another, Jesus is really saying to us the only way you're going to be able to fulfill that is to recognize how much I have loved you. Uh, thereby, you will have what is necessary to love one another. Now, 1 John chapter 4, verses I think it is 9 and 10, say um, that herein is love, not that we love God, but that He first loved us. So what I'm communicating this morning, and as I've prayed, that the Spirit of God would latch hold of our fractured hearts and begin to draw them into a place of recognition that Jesus wants to take our hearts and so love them that they become transformed so that we'll be able to love each other even when we make each other mad. Either when, even when we disappoint each other. Uh, even when uh, you and I fall short. You see, love is um, an unconditional commitment that Jesus has made to us. You know, Jesus went to a cross and on it He sacrificed. He died. He bled. And His blood became the propitiation, the covering by which God's just wrath could be covered, and so he could overlook us. It sounds sort of like that um, in the Old Testament where they took the blood and put it on the door, lintels in the doorpost, and the death angel passed over. That's exactly what Jesus did. He is the Lamb. And it's by his blood then that we come into recognition that God has done for you and for me what we could never do for ourselves. His blood has so covered our sin that we will never uh, uh, um, receive the just desert that you and I uh, uh, should foster by virtue of our sin. God has taken your sin and mine upon Himself on a cross. Isn't that good news? Now, some of us in the church, we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yet, it has not yet gripped uh, all of those places of our heart, uh, because in our wounding, uh, we, are, we become more focused on ourselves and our needs than the needs of each other. That's why Jesus said it's a new commandment. I'm commanding you to love one another the very same way uh, I have loved you. Jesus has loved me unconditionally. It's an unconditional commitment that Jesus has made to an imperfect person. That's me. You see, imperfect means that, that there are all of these uh, fractures in my life, and even though I live out of those fractured places of my heart at times, and they, um, um, uh, or I should say, I allow them to influence me far more than they should, um, I can withhold my love from other people because of the brokenness in my life but God is healing those fractured places. So, so love is a command. And secondly, that cycle begins as you and I receive 
the unconditional love of God into our hearts personally. Have you contacted the supernatural, uh, mysterious um, love of God for yourself so that if nothing else would be said in life, you could say, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that though I deserve death, God has given me life. Though I deserve to be uh, cast from His presence, God has drawn me into His presence and said, you are my beloved. That is the possibility for every human being on the face of planet earth. If they would come to Jesus and look into His face and to receive from Him a download of revelation of His love for you as a person. You say, oh, preacher, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. But God knows what each of us have done, and in spite of what we have done, His love is bigger than anything we could bring to try to short-circuit the deal. A command to love, it begins with Jesus' love for us. And then thirdly, love is the chief way that disciples of Jesus will distinguish themselves of all other people upon the face of the earth. Jesus said, this is how they will know that you're my disciples. It's not because you're religious. In fact, sometimes that can be an impediment. Uh, Religious can go sour. Did you know that? There are lots of people that are mean and nasty and just ugly in the spirit, but they're religious. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. And if that's your take on what we're talking about, then you need to go back to Jesus because what Jesus gives to us is a, a radical uh, understanding of how much we are loved so that we can then begin to love other people. And I'm still working on that, by the way, lest you think I have it all together. None of us have it fully together. You see, our capacity to love one another is a direct result of receiving revelation um, that I am loved. We must receive personally a revelation uh, in our inner person, in our inner spirit, if you will, that I am deeply loved by Jesus. And as we become more uh, personally and intimately aware of and secure then in Jesus' love for us, we become more able to be genuine and authentic uh, in our love for other people. You say, you know, I hear what you're saying, but how do I get, get that? That's a good question. Go to Jesus and ask Him for fresh revelation of how He sees you. And as you're asking Him for that, look at the cross and begin to contemplate and meditate upon what that cross means and what Jesus did in light of it for you specifically. And I promise you that if you ask, you will receive a fresh download of revelation of Jesus' love for you. Now, we've talked about our call to community. We've talked about we're called to love, we're called to relationships, we're called to people. Uh, But there are barriers sometimes to this that if we're if we become aware of what those barriers are, 
uh, God is very interested in uh, healing uh, those barriers. Uh, so I want to tee up a song. I've uh, asked our AV people if they would um, play this song. It actually was from a Broadway musical called, um, I think it was Funny Girl, some year, bunch of years ago. Go ahead and tee that up and let's play it and just uh, kind of listen to the words of it and then I'll follow up with a couple of um, remarks in just a moment.
Well, the amazing Barbara Streisand probably has one of the best voices in my repertoire of information, but I want to share just a bit about the song and why I chose to play it for you today. Um, you know, on one hand, the song asserts that those who love others and are not emotionally cut off from them are the people who are the happiest in life. Now note what I said there. The song asserts that those who um, know people, need people, love people are the happiest. And I would suspect that if we're honest with ourselves in a quiet moment before Jesus that many of us could probably see uh, places in our lives where, well, people just have let us down. They've hurt us. They've wounded us. They've, and, and in that hurt, um, it actually uh, becomes a barrier. So on one hand, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world, and yet on the other hand, um, we're children, if you heard the words to this, that first end of the first stanza, we're children needing other children and yet letting a grown-up pride hide all the need that we have inside, acting more like children than children. You see, and that sets up the, the kind of the dichotomy that we see in this verse in John 13, where Jesus said, love one another the same way I have loved you, so you love one another. And we come to that and we go, okay, we're going to love one another. I know that I'm made for community. I know that I'm made for relationship. I know that I'm made to love other people and to be loved by them. But I have this difficulty because I, I have this brokenness in my own heart that keeps me from loving people. Do you all know what I'm saying? You see, we, that's the human condition when we fell, if you will, when we, when we participated with Adam, we inherited his brokenness. It's the woman you gave me. She did it. So we live out of this fracturedness in our lives and we try the best that we can to need other people and love other people, but we end up being speared by them or spearing them ourselves. That's the difficulty from, of this text of John 13, 34, and 35. The commandment to love one another. A new commandment. You see, grown-up pride hiding behind all of the needs inside is just another way of saying that for each of us there are barriers in our lives that have resulted from wounds from other people. Or wounds that we have self-inflicted upon our ourselves, wounds like where we have been rejected and then we reject other people, where we become untrusting of other people or maybe fearful of them, where we've been scarred by people. And I know you all know what I'm talking about here. Love people, new commandment, and yet we, we live, we have these barriers, this tension of resisting real intimacy because we know if you're going to love, you're going to hurt. If you're really going to love, it will cost you a cross. You see, that's where Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. The same way I have loved you is the way I'm calling you to love one another. And that will cost you everything. If you're going to love, you will hurt. 
See, these wounds are doorways through which uh, pain enters into our life and can destroy the very thing that God calls us to, and that is an intimacy and community. Uh, these barriers to love, as I call them, can often and do for most, more than likely all of us, can create strongholds that God wants to heal. See, that's the good news. We, we don't come to God... When we come to Him, Jesus paid it all, and we understand that part theologically. He no longer sees my sin. He sees Jesus. And yet, as a follower of Jesus, I come limping along in my hurt and brokenness, the places where I've been uh, misunderstood and misunderstand other people. I come limping along, bringing my life to Him and asking Him to somehow put it back together. These strongholds in my life... Uh, can keep me from actually obeying what God has commanded me to do, and that is to love one another. So let me define that just a little bit, or, or sort of let me give you a personal testimony. Um, I have struggled. I'm going to you know, open my kimono here and you know, show you a little bit about Steve. But I have struggled in interpersonal relationships all my life. How why? I know that God loves me, or I should say I am coming into a fuller revelation that God loves me, and that is what is beginning to heal the fractured heart. You see, I've struggled in interpersonal relationships. Um, I mean, I'm you know, pretty, pretty personable around people, but at the real level of, you know, when you, when you strip off all the veneer, what's really going on, on inside of me is a dis-ease being around a lot of people. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> Standing in front of some 350 of you, there is a dis-ease. And see, that is simply a symptom. And now I'm articulating it so that you can then identify with it. You see, it's, it, it shows itself through the symptomology of sometimes I feel very insecure in in intimate, deeper interpersonal relationships. I find myself fidgeting around. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> you, you know, there, there's, a, there's sometimes an awkwardness that I can see about my own uh, life, struggling with relationships uh, most of my life, rejection issues. Where do those, those wounds come from? I, I've identified some things in my life. I've walked with Jesus over 40 years. I understand a little bit about what's going on in my own heart. And there are places where I've been rejected. And I have had to look at those places and bring them to Jesus and ask Him to be the one who heals those places of rejection. Because it produces an insecurity and a fear to be really close with other people. So I'm sharing this with you so that you can sort of identify uh, with that. Uh, sometimes I find it just, you know, difficult. Now, I know some of you understand. You would rather be doing something than sharing something. Well, because we find it difficult to really uh, believe that God loves me just the way I am. I think that's the root 
uh, or at least that's, the, that's how God is healing my own fragile heart. You see, the heart is, um, I spent all weekend, actually, at the uh, Wilmington Healing Center. They were doing a, an amazing seminar on disassociative identity disorder. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> all that really is, disassociation, is it's an identity disorder that comes out of great trauma and pain. So when there's an area in my life that's been thumped real hard, you know what that means? It can be sexual abuse. That wasn't mine. It can be rejection. You know, when you get thumped real hard, if the pain is enough, uh, God has given us a, a God-given capacity to disassociate that pain so that we can go on and live our lives. But, but the more that happens and the more severe that it is, and I'm convinced we all have it in some degree, we're all, we all disassociate with the pain in our life, and to the extent that there's a lot of it, it becomes a disorder, a dis-ease about my interpersonal stuff. And what God seems to be doing in these days, through the command, love one another, in the same way I have loved you, love one another, God seems to be gathering the fractured pieces of our hearts. And He brings them to our memory when the time is right so that we can begin to offer it up to Him and ask Him to heal it. It's like a little finger that gets cut off and gets put over there and you go around a long time without it until, until God says, bring all those little pieces to me. Now, it's interesting that if you, if you look, and I'll just look at this real, real quickly, uh, I think it is um, Psalm 147, verses 2 and 3. It says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem and gathers together the outcasts of Israel. Now, there's Hebrew parallelism going on here. So remember, the first part is that the Lord builds up Jerusalem and gathers together the outcast. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You see the parallelism. Um, the, the Lord builds up Jerusalem and gathers together the outcast. The Lord uh, heals the brokenhearted. God is gathering the fracturedness of your heart uh, and bringing it into a place where you can at least understand why you tick the way you do uh, so that God can then heal it so that you can be more responsive to His love uh, loving Him with all your heart and loving one another around you. But that will never happen as long as we uh, continue to consciously disassociate with the pain in our lives. By the way, that's why Pastor Jim is involved with a uh, ministry called Celebrate Recovery. That is for people who have pain in their life doesn't have to be substance abuse. See, that's just how we cover pain. That's not the source of pain. It can create pain, more pain, but, but it's, we cover our pain uh, and God wants us to get in touch with it and then bring it up to, back to Him and watch Him bring those broken, broken strands, those slivers, those shards, those broken pieces back together and begin to heal us. 
good friend of mine just sent me a picture of Humpty Dumpty that she drew about herself. And he had black eyes and was sitting on the wall, and you could see he was put all back together, but you could still see the pieces. You know Humpty Dumpty uh, had a big fall, <laughs> and, and, and nobody could put him together again. You see, that's how sometimes we feel about ourselves, isn't it? Everybody's tried, all the king's horses and all the king's men, but they couldn't put Humpty together again. But you know the good news is Jesus puts him back together. Jesus paid it all. It is well with my soul. Not my sin and in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. And when you begin to get a personal revelation of the love of God, for then the very first time you'll be able to love yourself and begin to love other people. Well, we've looked at community and we're called to love and called to people. We've looked at some barriers. You know, barriers just like rejection and places where I need to forgive. Uh, a symptom of, of pain could be you're a critical person. Or like the song, people, areas of pride. Uh, or fear, malicious talk or gossip. Addictive behavior I've alluded to can be food, can be sex, can be substance, can be money. Or I can live my life in perfectionism. As if everything has to be controlled by me. Because I'm afraid to let people know who I really am. And God says, you know what? Try trusting me. I paid for it all. You don't have to be perfect. And all of a sudden I can go, oh, that's good. I messed my hair up. Jesus loves me just the way I am. Well, let's talk about these communities that heal as I land this thing. Psalm 147, verse 3, I've already looked at. He heals the brokenhearted. Communities that heal uh, like celebrate recovery. But let me talk, the last block I want to talk about before I have uh, Sandy Bell come actually and share just a few minutes on doors, these places of where pain enters in and how God heals them. Uh, but let me talk about the biggest issue that you and I need to understand about this thing of God's love. It has to do with our identity. You see, the, our identity is either built upon God's truth or it's built upon Satan's lie. The question is, what do you believe about yourself? Uh, do you believe about yourself that you are a sinner because you sometimes sin? Now, I understand this is a theological razor. I get that. But are you a sinner because you sometimes sin? But the Bible says when you come to Jesus, He makes you into a saint who sometimes sins. Either I'm a sinner that sometimes sins, or I'm really a saint who occasionally sins. And it makes all the difference on how you look at your life. You see, does your identity come from what you do? Or does your identity come from what Jesus did? Because, beloved, you and I will never measure up to the standard of God. But Jesus paid it all. A couple more things. Your identity either comes from what others say about you, or your identity comes from what God says about you. Behavior 
tells you what to believe about yourself. Your behavior will either tell you what to believe about yourself, what is true, or your belief about yourself will determine your behavior. Now these are not just cute little semantic phrases. They begin to impact how we understand ourselves. That we are saints who, yes, sometimes still sin, but our identity comes from God and not what we do. Our identity comes from what God says about us and not what others say about us or what you think about yourself even. Or your belief about yourself determines uh, your behavior rather than vice versa. So resources um, are available that can help you. Now what I've done today is I can only uh, sort of take the lid off of the standard that says love unconditionally and then share with you personally how I struggle with loving other people because of my fracturedness and invite you into the process. Because denial says I don't have anything over here that's impacting me. I am just fine. Maybe. Or maybe you're simply living in denial that there's pain there. The only thing I'm reason I'm not trying to rip your fig leaves off, you know, Genesis 1. I'm simply trying to say that we all have them. Let's acknowledge that Jesus paid it all and stop trying to pay it ourselves. Let's begin to enter into a process that's real and authentic and genuine so that we can really begin to love uh, as uh, Jesus uh, loves. Naomi, do you have that um, um, microphone? If you wouldn't mind, dear, bringing it to me. And I'm going to ask um, Sandy Bell if you would come up. Sandy Bell, I've asked her to share just a testimony, if she would, um, about us doors in, in her own life and then um, something about the Wilmington Healing Center because it's a resource uh, for you, uh, and then, well, you take it from there. Right here. Well, thank you for allowing me to share my testimony. And like Steve, in front of 350 people, I get a little nervous too, so it'll take me a minute. But he asked me to share a little bit of my personal testimony earlier in this week, and I've been wrestling with the Lord, going, Lord, what is it that you want me to share? And he said the very thing that the enemy wanted to keep um, locked up. And it has been a difficult thing for me to share over the years, but just very briefly, because I only have a few minutes, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. And it was, it was a very abusive home, not physically so much as emotionally and spiritually and verbally. I was told things that no child should ever hear, like you will never be loved. You're never going to be good enough. No man will ever love you. It was all about the very love that the Word tells us, that Christ is love, Jesus is love, and we are loved by God. But in my home, by my father, I was told I would never be loved. And I believed it. And that was one of the doors that remained open all of my life. And it was the hardest door to get closed. Because my father telling me these things, I believed that here's my dad. This is my dad whom is supposed to love me, and he's telling me I'm never going to be loved. So here's this authority figure in my life. He has to be right. He knows something about me that I don't know. 
And I believed it for many, many years. So I looked for that unconditional love of God in all places, all places. So I'm going to tell you the deepest, darkest secret that I kept for many, many years. Well, it wasn't that many years because it took a lifetime to get it. But Jimmy Bell is my fifth husband. So take a deep breath. Judge me if you want, but don't. The bottom line is this. I didn't know how to be loved because I was told I couldn't be loved. So I looked for love because there was something in me. There was that great desire to be loved, and I needed it. I needed it. My body craved it. My soul craved it. My heart craved it. So I looked for it, and every time I was rejected in a relationship, or I would reject the relationship that I was in because I knew they were going to find out something about me they didn't like, and they were going to reject me. So I would sabotage relationships. That was another door. I had a door of sabotage in my life. I would self-sabotage and destroy my life. But here's the key thing that I wanted to share. The greatest, one of the greatest doors that I got free from was the moment the Lord told me he was going to change my testimony. And he said, close the door to shame. Start sharing the very testimony that you don't want to tell people. And that was that I am the woman at the well. I have been married five times, y'all. Five times because I was looking for the love of God and couldn't find it. But he healed that area of my heart. He healed me because he loves me unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you all think about me. It really doesn't. Do you know how many people that I, when I began to share this testimony, how many people came to me and said, I may not be able to identify with how many times you've been married, but I sure can identify with the need to be loved and feeling rejected and feeling judged at every turn. And that was the key that I knew. But... To make a really long story short, out of the ashes of my destructive life, my testimony, the Lord brought forth so much healing in my life and in my heart because I got to a place where I got sick and tired of being miserable. And I began to lay it all down. And I began to say, God, if you truly love me, you've got to change this stuff. I want to be who you say I am. I don't want to believe the lie that I'm not lovable. I don't have a purpose. I don't have a destiny. One of the things I will never forget is a high school teacher said, what is your purpose? Why are you here? I couldn't answer her because I didn't have a clue. God created each one of us with a purpose, and the enemy will take that purpose from us behind lies and doors. He will lock us behind those things. So out of those ashes of my life, the Lord, through healing, brought the Wilmington Healing Center. And that's exactly what we do, is we reach the lost and broken in our community. We love people who are unlovable. We love people who are unlovable to themselves because they're all lovable to Christ. He loves them all. We help them. First, we build relationship, and we help them deal with the very doors that I had open, that you all have open, that we all have. We help them identify them, bring them to the cross, find healing in those areas. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody, I promise, because that's just a piece of my testimony. That's the hardest part for me to share. 
But that's the part I have to share because it is about a love deficit. And if the enemy can keep us from being loved, we won't love. We won't. And, or we will love, and we'll love out of that brokenness, and we'll create other, we'll raise up other unlovable people. That's what the church is about. We're supposed to be here for a hospital for the sick. All of us are sick at some point in our lives. And still, in the church, we still have stuff. I still have stuff, much stuff. But every day, it's about giving it to the Lord and trusting Him. So at the Wilmington Healing Center, we are one of those resources. We are a resource for help. We're here to love the body of Christ. We're here to love our community and and help people become who Christ says they are. Sharing with them sometimes the first time in their lives, God created you to be loved and He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And that is so hard for many people to swallow because they've never been loved in their life. So we have plenty of areas for people to volunteer. Um, We are a nonprofit. We don't charge anybody for coming for counseling. Nobody, because healing is free. Christ paid for it. So anybody who needs it can come, get on the schedule, and we will minister to them as long as it takes, day in and day out until they are able to walk in their own freedom. So that's who we are and what we do. Thank you. Well, that's a courageous lady. Amen? Courageous. Let me just end by... uh, This was about resources. This was about opening the lid and just saying, hey, consider that God wants you to become more in touch with His love for you and then to give that love away. Um, Celebrate Recovery, uh, Wilmington Healing Center, and also small groups are amazing places um, where you can find people. You don't have to spill your guts and share everything in a a small group, but small groups can really uh, cause you to begin to risk relationships again. If you're in a small group and it's kind of gone to sleep, you know, kind of become ho-hum, reinvigorate that small group uh, by sharing more deeply yourself and encouraging others too, um, or uh, start a new one. Uh, We'll have a uh, small group training uh, coming up uh, here in the not-too-distant future for you to to participate in uh, if you want to. Um, So sign up for one of those upcoming small group training as they're made available. And then thirdly, uh, get your group involved in a mission outside uh, your small group because we can become internalized, you know, kind of navel-gazing, and God wants to revamp uh, some of that. So, uh, Dean, why don't you come, and I'm just going to, and the worship team, if you would come and join him, we're going to reprise that song, um, Holy Spirit, And uh, I'm just going to ask that there be a few moments of of quietness as you contemplate uh, your own uh, quality of love, that is participation in the great commandment uh, to love love others. Um, And how have you, to what extent have you received God's unconditional love for you in all of your foibles? that we've heard about. And to the extent that you've 
receive that love, it is to that extent that God begins to bring all of those pieces that have been sort of neglected or disassociated from us and he begins to integrate them back into a heart that's healed to receive more of his love begin anytime you're ready and I just want to pray for us Father thank you for giving us this moment Holy Spirit I'm asking that you would do in us what only you can do in the name of Jesus
just say yes to Jesus, whatever even you're afraid to look at, and just say, Lord, yes, I give you my life, and I give you the right uh, to poke around in there, but to just begin to love me into a place of pouring my life out to love other people. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, I break any places of shame upon um, on your people right now. I break it off in the name and the power and the authority of Jesus. Lord, I break its power. Lord, any places of embarrassment, God, we break it right now. We repudiate that in the name of Jesus. And God, we say that we are saints of the living God, even though we still sometimes fall and fail and sin. God, you have given us a new nature. Fill that nature, God, with your presence today afresh. Let's stand if you're not already, and we'll be dismissed. And now, Father, may the grace, may the great grace of Jesus, may the supernatural love of God the Father, the very life of Holy Spirit, be reactivated in each one of us today so that He would receive all of the glory as we love Him with all of our hearts and love one another. And all of God's people said, Amen. If you'd like prayer this morning, I'd ask some of our prayer team to be made available or pray for one another. And simply a reminder of our next steps luncheon begins here in maybe five or ten minutes. God bless you and have a wonderful day today. Peace.